You're listening to Yap, Young and Profiting Podcast, a place where you can listen, learn, and profit. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Hala Taha, and on Young and Profiting Podcast, we investigate a new topic each week and interview some of the brightest minds in the world. My goal is to turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your everyday life, no matter your age, profession, or industry. There's no fluff on this podcast, and that's on purpose. I'm here to uncover value from my guests by doing the proper research and asking the right questions. If you're new to the show, we've chatted with the likes of ex-FBI agents, real estate moguls, self-made billionaires, CEOs, and best-selling authors. Our subject matter ranges from enhancing productivity, how to gain influence, the art of entrepreneurship, and more. If you're smart and like to continually improve yourself, hit the subscribe button because you'll love it here at Young and Profiting Podcast. This week on Yap, we're chatting with Mark Champagne, an author, podcast host, and mental fitness strategist. In 2019, he created his podcast, Behind the Human, which is now a top 50 health show where he talks to some of the greatest minds about how to live with more intention and presence. He created his own brand strategy business using his mental fitness theory called Thrive. His first book, Personal Socrates, is an exploration of questions that shape the lives of legends and world-class performers, questions that have the power to change your life and work. In today's episode, we learn about Mark's journey creating and ultimately shutting down his app, Keo, and how that led him to writing Personal Socrates. We'll also discuss Mark's foolproof formula to getting unstuck, why journaling actually works, and the questions to ask ourselves to live with more clarity and intention. If you've been searching for questions to lead inner change, you'll love this conversation. Hey, Mark, welcome to Young and Profiting Podcast. Thanks, Hala. It's great to be here. It's a real honor. I've been a huge fan of yours, as you know, and uh, I'm excited to jam. Me too. You know, thank you so much for having me on your show earlier in my career, Behind the Human. And you've got such a great podcast. And now you have a new book called Personal Socrates that is coming out really soon. When does that come out exactly, Mark? It is, uh, depending on when this releases, it might already be out. It's coming out October 19th, which as of now, it's next week. Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll put that out. Uh, we're going to put that this episode aligning with that release date. So I can't wait to get into that book and to talk about journaling and, and the benefits of that. But before we get into that, you have a really interesting backstory. You actually started in the corporate world like me, and then you became an entrepreneur. And you were in big pharma. You were doing marketing and branding. And then you had this big idea to start an app for journaling because at the time, this was like 12 years ago, they didn't have anything like that. And so you decided you would quit your job, team up with, you know, I think a relative and start this app. So really cool stuff. Talk to us about that transition, how you got into journaling and how you ended up jumping into entrepreneurship. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's so crazy to me to reflect back because when I was in the corporate world, I actually, I was doing well. I was, you know, you, you're used to this or you know how it works. I was moving jobs every two years, essentially, right? Kind of climbing that, that ladder. And I was actually quite happy in the role. I was working with really great people, learning a ton and never had any desires to jump into the world of entrepreneurship. It kind of just happened out of not wanting to regret trying this new idea that, that you had brought up, which was the journaling app Keo. And that came because 
or it came from about eight or nine years of actually using a practice like journaling. Because when I was hired out of university, I started in sales. We all went through the same training. It was like a four-week intensive, fly to Montreal. We're all going through the same program. And I remember thinking, well, how possibly can I stand out in a sales role if we're all being trained the exact same way, right? So I just started getting up a little bit earlier, not, not much, and started reading positive content. And year after year, essentially, and I mean, you know, happy to share like that first year or second year in sales, it, it was top sales rep in the territory. And I really credit it to all of that early morning like mental fitness, which is not what I called it at that time. But essentially what was happening in reading blogs and different books and websites, you start coming across very similar mindsets when it comes to personal development and, and, and keeping your mind thriving. And journaling was one of those practices. And I remember coming across all of these different interviews and it wasn't journaling from the perspective of what I used to always get when we started the app, which was, oh, you're talking about the 12-year-old girl writing her diary about the boy at school, right? And I'm like, there's nothing wrong with that. But no, I'm talking about what I've been seeing with these big, powerful life and work questions that the people were following and reading their books are, are pausing to think about. So I would write those questions down. And then the next morning when I would you know, get up a bit earlier to do the practice, then I would reflect on them based on where I was at in my life. And I did that for, like I said, a good solid eight years. And eventually, though, at that time, then grew really frustrated with the digital solutions that were available because I was traveling a lot for conferences and whatnot. So I was always doing this, this practice on my phone or on an iPad that I had really kind of teched out in the sense of no notifications. It was kind of like a sanctuary in terms of technology. But there was nothing out there from an app perspective that would take the combination of knowledge, and in my case, questions, and link that up with a guided journaling practice. Now there are, there are options, but essentially that's what created the, or sparked the idea of Keo. And I linked up with my brother-in-law and co-founder of the app, said, here are my frustrations. Would you be interested in trying this out? He was an, and still is an entrepreneur. So that gave me a little sense of confidence or security that, okay, I'm not just jumping in by myself here. And then we started working on it. That's awesome. So the app was pretty successful out the gate. From my understanding, Apple was featuring it and you got like 86 million impressions on it and lots of active users, but you didn't figure out how to really monetize it. You didn't figure out the business model. And I can really relate because when I was my first entrepreneurship gig was the sorority of hip hop strawberryblunt.com. It was a blog site that I blew up. I was so popular hosting parties. I had a big name out there in the tri-state, but I wasn't monetizing. I didn't figure out the business model. So even though we had a big brand and people knew about us, I wasn't making money and I had to shut it down. And something similar happened to you where you ended up shutting down this app and deleting it. So my question to you, since you're like the Mr. Question guy, is what <laughs> questions were you asking yourself that got you to that decision to shut it down? Well, it was actually a question sparked by an interview I'd done with Scott Belsky, who's, who's now in the book as one of the profiles. And it was just around the idea of why am I building this? And also, do I still have the same level of passion and conviction that I did when I first thought of the idea and when we started the business? Do I have that same level of passion now? 
Because that's what you need. If not, do you have the same level, if not more, frankly? Because that's what you need, as you know, to kind of push through that messy middle and continue. And the answer at that time was just no. I had lost that passion along the way. We were financially strapped, mentally at the, at the max of our journey. And we had learned enough for those, uh, along those three years of creating the app that you know, we could continue to iterate it. And if, I, I am confident that we would have figured out the, the proper kind of user flow and, and would, have been able, would have been able to make our, our, you know, our business model work. But we weren't naive to the fact that that wasn't going to happen in the next iteration. And we were already on the third development team. Now we had a homegrown kind of Toronto-based team, which was way more expensive. And there was just no not even a sliver of certainty that, okay, well, if we do this, it's, it's going to result in, okay, th- at least we'll start covering our you know, expenses or server costs. So that's what led to the, the decision of, you know what, for me at least, I had found the, the, the path and the work that really lit me up that I didn't know was you know, kind of my true calling and purpose. But that vehicle, which was the app, is something that sparked that that world for me and I'm grateful for that but that you know was time for that to close and I just I trusted the journey enough or the path knowing that just because of I'm in that space right of of self-development that if it's not the app it'll be something else but the work in general the practices the prompts and all of that I mean that's what really mattered and I'm curious to see from from your perspective when you were going through it with, with your venture the big learning I had there was to never fall for your own hype we had 86.9 million app store impressions, all these features. We were collaborating with massive brands like LinkedIn and Lego and VaynerMedia, which was just providing all of this almost like false confidence that, you know, we were just going to thrive, but we hadn't figured out the business model yet. Yeah, honestly, now I look back and this is probably not what you're expecting to hear. I look back and I wish I kept going. Oh, wow. Okay. Because I, I realize now that having a brand is so powerful and I just had the wrong business model and had I just kept tweaking and tweaking and tweaking until I found something that had product market fit or got a TV show or whatever it was, it probably was would have been another six months or a year and I would have been really successful faster. But, you know, everything happens for a reason and I'm not positive that would have happened, but having a brand is powerful you know, and you just need to figure out how to monetize that brand. So anyway, every failure is a stepping stone. And I'm sure you learned a lot from that experience that you use now. So what are you up to these days? Well, I mean, interesting enough, I I do feel like I I have kept going. It's just like I said, the the product or the offer offering or the service has changed. It's changed into a book. It's changed into corporate mental fitness activations and speaking and things like that. But it's all the same content and, and practices and prompts. So, I mean, for me, it feels like the path just kind of got you know I took a bit of a right turn there, but I'm still going up the same mountain essentially, or, or following the the work that lights me up. So that's what led to the book, though. The book was, you know, when I deleted the app, I mean, you know, I don't want to speak too lightly of that because I remember looking at that Apple dashboard and thinking, okay, I see 86.9 million people and the next step is to hit delete from App Store. I mean, how could we fail at such a colossal level? Like, what would all my ex-colleagues think? You can probably relate to this. I remember telling them I was leaving, right? And they're like, there was this feeling of, oh, I have an idea too. Like, you're so courageous for going to do that, right? There's, you could feel that. 
And here I am now, like, what am I going to say to those people? And I also didn't want to go back to that industry because I had, I had found the space that really lit me up. But now I just deleted the vehicle that was, that was keeping me in there. So it wasn't until doing everything possible to dial into the present moment and unleash as many gratitude practices as possible, which I was picking up through all the interviews and the content in the app, that I eventually got to this realization that we are all, myself included, one question away from a completely different life. And that question for me happened to be, what do I want for my life? Which pulled me out of a, essentially out of a depression that was heading into a deep depression. Who knows where next? But that was enough to pause the looping narrative to then put a plan together. And then that led to the next question, the question after that. And as it turns out, there's a there's a whole method to this madness, which is the Socratic method. Yeah. So I want to dig really deep into that. Let's talk about people who are in a rut because a lot of people are out there struggling. Maybe they lost their job from COVID. They still haven't really found their new job and people are in a rut. So you were in that place at one point and you just said you used a lot of gratitude practices that you had learned over the years from interviewing people on your podcast. So talk to us about some of those specific methods. What did you do? Well, I mean, there, there's a formula, a really easy formula to remember to, that, that works in really any situation. And that is to first get clear, then you can start acting with intention. And whether that's practices, decisions, or conversations, then that will lead to an expansion of possibility or opportunity. But you can't, you know, the, the first step in that whole process is you, you have to pause the internal narrative because it's, it's nearly impossible for us to think clearly and do our best work when our mind's fogged with fear, anxiety, uncertainty, which is how I felt after deleting that app. So again, just thinking of, you know, having something as simple as a list of five or 10 things that you know without question will put a smile on your face and that you can default to that list and that's different for all of us. And that's the point is we have to find the things that light us up. I was taking a lot of walks at that, during that time. I never skipped any workouts at the gym. Like my number one goal during that period was to keep my mind and, and body as healthy as possible because then your mind's clear, right? And it's just, it's no different than if you, if you take the visual of, of a physical room and you open a door to a room and you see it's full with boxes, floor to ceiling, and you know there's a door in the back there, but you just can't see how to get to that door or where it is. Our minds are the same thing when they're flooded with emotion or an abundance of decisions to make or relationships that are bothering us. So once we start clearing that out, then we just have to trust that our mind's going to do the work and connect the dots and we'll know exactly which path to take. So, I mean, it sounds easier said than done, but the easiest way to pause that loop is to dial into these, these practices or activities that you know will put a smile on your face, right? Yeah. So let me reiterate this really quick. The first step is to get clear. The second step is to live intentional, intentionally. <laughs> and the third step is to expand possibility. And then you have questions that align to each one. So let's really drill down here and, and teach people how to do this. So what are the questions for each bucket? Well, I think, I mean, Again, a good quality question to me is a question that's well-timed and relevant in your life, right? So if I were to ask myself the, the question again of what do I want for my life, it would serve as a nice check-in, but it doesn't have the power that it did, you know, a few years ago, which pulled me out of a depression. So the first thing is to really sit down. And if you, if you have the book or if you're looking at any other prompts is really to follow your intuition in terms of 
you know, what feels right for you? Starting with a clarity type question, and that's something that's progressive as well, right? So what do I want for my life? You're, you're going forward in, in movement. Or, you know, to borrow some of the prompts from uh, James Clear, who has a profile in the book as well, but just understanding, like, who am I optimizing to become? right? Like, am I climbing the right mountain? Because we can feel like we're doing the right things. We feel busy. But if we're busy doing the things that we don't want to be doing, or that's not leading to the life that we desire, then we're, we're kind of wasting that time, right? So again, getting clear with questions on like, who do I want to become? And then, then from there, well, then what do I need to do? Like, what's one step I can take today? And then it's all about setting reminders and doing the mental fitness whether that's five or 10 minutes in the morning, just to remind ourselves of this is where I'm heading, bringing in again, gratitude or bringing in some stoicism, for example, and focusing on, okay, this is what I can control today. For example, there's, there's profiles on Ryan Holiday in here and Marcus Aurelius. And then that's all you have to remember because if you're doing the first two steps of getting clearer than living with an intention and doing the practices that will help, this possibility and opportunity shows up by default because you can see it, right? Coming back to that room, you can see the door is right there. The path is like this. This feels right. I'm going to follow that journey. Got it. So in terms of the reminders, are you saying basically scheduling time in your day to reflect on what you got clear on? Like basically you're asking yourself questions, then you get the clarity statement, whatever that is. And then you're saying set reminders to think about that information that you're clear on now? Yeah, so the reminders are, this is critical because if the, the, the whole intention of all of these practices is to pause us and, and pause the autopilot. Because if we just let ourselves go in regular society, just like nutrition or exercise, I mean, we'll be led down a path that is probably the mo not the most healthiest for us, for example right? It's just like going to a grocery store. I mean, if you just follow the aisles and the marketing, you're not going to come out with a cart full of healthy groceries. It's just not going to happen, unfortunately. So you've got to be intentional with what you're doing and have a plan when you're going in. So it's no different with our mind. I remember Apollo Ono. So he was on the show and he has a, a, a profile in the book. And he's, at least at the time, he was the most decorated winter Olympian in, in U.S. history, short track speed skater. And I'll never forget because he, you know, I, I write about it as here are the Olympic, the Olympic reminder system that Apollo uses and it's post-it notes. You know, he starts with just getting clear on, on his objective and his goal. And then he looks around his house and thinks of the places that he sees the most often, whether that's your fridge or your, I think he had them in his closet, just little post-its with an intention, you know, and it has to resonate with you, but it could be today I want to feel energized, or I'm working towards X. And just, again, subtle little reminders. I use my iPhone wallpaper on the lock screen. And what's fun about that is like, you know, now we get all these screen time reminders. So you can see, I just prime my mind 78 times today from picking up my phone. And I just have some one-liners on there that I need to hear right now, right? Small things like, you know, in the, in the process of obviously this book launch, it's so easy to go down this comparison track. Okay, well, it's ranking here in Amazon. Like, what does that mean? So-and-so did this, but I, I, you know, I'm here in, in comparison to them. And just to cut that and just have a one-liner saying, be present, forget about comparison, I can remind myself of that 78 plus times a day. 
What's up, Yap Bam? Being an entrepreneur and working remotely definitely has its perks. And I know a lot of you listening in are in the same boat as me. But do you really take advantage of being able to work from anywhere? I know I typically don't, but thankfully this past holiday, I finally decided to make use of my work flexibility for the first time ever. My boyfriend and I decided to pack up and leave to the West Coast to spend an entire month working from home in the sun. We got a super cute bungalow in Venice Beach with a fenced backyard. The change in scenery, the fresh air, and the slower pace to help me to inspire some really cool new ideas for my business. And honestly, I'm feeling really refreshed and ready to rock in 2024. And who helped me make these remote work dreams come true? It was Airbnb. And Airbnb has come in clutch for me time and time again. Whether it's finding the perfect Airbnb home for our three-day annual executive team get-together or booking a vacation where my extended family can fit all in one place, Airbnb always makes it a great experience. And you know me, I'm always thinking of my latest business venture and I've been begging my boyfriend to start hosting our place on Airbnb. And finally, we're gonna start. So many of my successful friends host on Airbnb and it's such an amazing way to generate passive income. So to start, we have a plan to start spending more time in Miami and we'll be hosting our place to earn some extra money when we're back on the East Coast. 2024 goals, and I'll keep you updated. A lot of people don't realize that they might have an Airbnb right under their own noses. I was pretty surprised myself. You can Airbnb your place or spare room, even if you're out of town for just a few days or weeks. You could do what I did and work remotely somewhere else and Airbnb your place to fund your trip. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. That's airbnb.com slash host to find out how much your home is worth. Yeah, bam, I wanna talk about focus. When I started my LinkedIn Secrets Masterclass, I needed to focus on creating the best course possible. I didn't have time to worry about how to set up my website and collect payments. And that's why I set up my store on Shopify. <laughs> Launching App Academy through Shopify was one of the best decisions I've ever made. We made nearly $500,000 so far. And since I sell a course, that's pretty much pure profit. Are you ready to be young and profiting too? Then launch your business with Shopify, the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, whether you're a side hustler, new entrepreneur, or rocking a multi-million dollar business. And it doesn't matter if you're selling scented soap or a marketing masterclass like me, Shopify helps you sell anything, anywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. And when it comes to e-commerce, Shopify turns online window shoppers into actual buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. We're talking 36% better on average compared to other platforms with features like abandoned cart campaigns, discount promo codes, and so much more. Fun fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US, including huge brands like Thrive Cosmetics and Allbirds. No matter your stage, no matter if it's online or in person, Shopify is always the right commerce platform for you. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash profiting, and that's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash profiting now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash profiting. Yeah, fam, I did a big thing recently. I rolled out benefits to my US employees. They now get healthcare and 401ks. And maybe this doesn't sound like a big deal to you, but it was surely a big deal to me because benefits were like the boogeyman to me. I thought for sure we couldn't afford it. I thought that it was gonna be so complicated, so hard to set up, lots of risk involved. 
And in fact, so many of my star employees have left in the past citing benefits as the only reason why. And here I was thinking that we couldn't afford benefits when it's literally not that expensive at all and you actually split the cost between the employee and the employer. I had no idea. I found out on JustWorks. JustWorks has been a total lifesaver for me. We were using two other platforms for payroll, one for domestic in US, one for international. We had our HR guidelines and things like that, employee handbook on another site. And everything was just everywhere. Now everything's consolidated with JustWorks, a tried and tested employee management platform. You get automated payments, tax calculations, and withholdings with expert support anytime you need it. And on top of that, there's no hidden fees. You can leave all the boring stuff to JustWorks and just get to business. And with automatic time tracking, it has made managing my international hires a little bit more soothing for my soul that I know that they're actually working and they're tracking their time. I mean, it's really hard to manage remote employees. It's easy to get started right away. All you need is 30 minutes. You don't even have to be in front of your computer. You can just get started right on your phone. Take advantage of this limited time offer. Start your free month now at justworks.com slash profiting. Let JustWorks run your payroll so you don't have to. Start your free month now at justworks.com slash profiting. Hey there, Young and Profiters. Want to know the number one way to thank us here on Young and Profiting Podcast? Writing us a five-star review on Apple Podcast, CastBox, Podbean, Player.fm, or your favorite podcast platform. Did you know reviews act as social proof and they help us with our podcast rankings? If you find value in our show, I want to hear your feedback. And reading reviews is literally my favorite thing to do. I want to hear from you. Here's a recent review from Ray D. Lopez. He says, Yap has a timeless wisdom. Yap has timeless wisdom you can use throughout your journey. As a young safety professional, this podcast has been a great tool in my success. Even from the first episode, First Impressions, the podcast has helped me develop communication, organization, and leadership skills. What's awesome about this show is that regardless of when the episode was aired, it can still be used today. I'm so glad you started this. Oh, thank you so much, Ray. I'm so glad I started this too. Yap has been the best blessing in my life. And you're so right. You could go back to episode number one and still find value in the show. In fact, it's really rare that any of my episodes are outdated. And that's why I put out those Yap classic episodes so that I can resurface some of those older episodes that are so, so good that you guys may have missed. So thank you again, Ray, for that amazing review. And if you're out there listening, what are you waiting for? Drop us a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform and make our day. And maybe I'll read your review on Young and Profiting Podcast too. I love that. I did something similar not knowing what I was doing. I I always make my passwords something that's some sort of a goal. So like for a while, I was really impatient and I had a really big problem with like wanting to get promoted and, and having to kind of wait in line. And all my passwords were like patience, like in a bunch of numbers, you know, or when I was building Yap, I was like number one podcast, you know, and and then every time I type it, I'd be like, yes, I'm, I'm working on my number one podcast, you know. So I think just any way that you can remind yourself of your goals and then the more that you repeat stuff and, and listen to yourself, the more that you start to believe in and take the actions you need to to actually get totally. things done. But that's the intentionality part, right? You were doing it and it's simple and simple works. We stick with that. I had the same thing. I had the, for the longest time I had a password that was just happiness. 
I love that. So talk to us about why journaling works. Is journaling only sitting down at a desk and writing on a piece of paper? Oh, I'm so glad you asked that. Because, I mean, I, I think we most of us think of journaling as sitting down and writing kind of pen to paper or, you know, like in our case, when we had the app, using an app to do it. But if you really break down the actual practice, the practice is reflection. And that is the number one theme that has come up with 200 plus interviews with all these, you know, exceptional humans is they take time to still their mind and think. And again, that's to help pause that autopilot and make clear decisions. So I don't care whether you're writing in a book or if you're doing that in a notebook or if you're taking a walk and, you know, taking the walk without music or a podcast and just going on that walk with a question in mind, for example, that's reflection, that's journaling. But the key is that you're taking that time to do it. So for me, I mean, from my experience, a good 70 or 80% of the people I've interviewed have some sort of meditation practice, but 100% of them have a practice like this where they're taking time to think. So it, again, it, you know, figure out in your own routine if that's the morning, which is usually a little bit easier to do because then you know life happens afterwards. So you can start the day owning your morning, owning your day, start with a prime mind asking some questions like, how do I feel today? You know, where do I feel that in my body? Do I, do I feel anxious? Is that tightness in my chest? And sometimes or often just acknowledging that we're feeling that releases it. And then you don't carry that into the day. Again, coming up with that, you know, clogs your mental real estate and really hard to make really great decisions or perform at our best when we're clogged like that. So small, that, that takes minutes one of the, the, the staples in my routine is as my coffee's brewing, I have a copy of Ryan Holiday's book, The Daily Stoic, and I just read one passage. It's one page, and it's usually a, a really solid perspective shift that no matter what's going on in my life right now, I'm like, oh, someone else has been through that. This is kind of how they handled it. It's not that bad. I can focus on either what I can't control or what I can control, and sometimes that's all I need. Then you start the day motivated and excited and ready to go. Yeah, I love that. So in terms of the questions that we ask ourselves, do you tend to ask yourself like the same question every day or are you switching it up depending on what's going on in your life? Like, how do you decide what question you're going to ask yourself? I mean, this comes back to a decade ago, essentially when the practice started for me. And it was when consuming content or knowledge or wisdom, then searching for those pieces or those nuggets, those questions that were there that then felt right to reflect on in my life right now. So that's the reason the book is set up in the way that it is in these two to four page profiles and that they're all loaded with a, an opening prompt is that they're all different. You know, whether it's, you know, Kobe Bryant or Maya Angelou or, or Stephen Hawking, they're all different and they're, they're designed to meet you where you're at. So I would just encourage people to, you know, not put so much pressure on ourselves, but to really land at a question that feels right when you're going through the book, or if you're reading a book, you know, to really just slow down and think about, okay, so, you know, what am I trying to get out of this, right? How can I apply this information or how can I apply this podcast to my life right now and make it applicable, for example, and then there are just, you know, I just, I'd really encourage no matter what you're doing to always have some sort of gratitude element to it. I, whether it's journaling, whether it's meditation, I typically do everything possible to have some sort of questions around, you know, what can I celebrate about today? 
or a great practice on a Friday, for example, three questions. You get to, let's say, midday Friday, not at the end of the day so that you're, you're rushing to finish your day, but in the midday, take 15 minutes and just ask, open up your calendar and ask, what did I learn this week? What would I have changed about this week? Maybe the way you reacted in a conversation. These are all just little nuggets of data that normally just pass through and we don't think about. And then lastly, what can I celebrate about the week? And it's just a great way to finish off the week because, again, you're not carting over all this, this mental uh, narratives and loops and stuff into the weekend. You're, you're starting the weekend fresh. You're starting Monday fresh. And you just learned a ton about what you just did in the last five days, which is a lot. We forget about that, right? We, we've, there's so much to celebrate, but we don't remember these things unless we stop and think about them. I really, really like that that actionable Friday gratitude activity. That's that's really great. It's it's a good social media post too. You gave me an idea. I think I'll go viral. Awesome. <laughs> Amazing. Tag me. <laughs> <laughs> I will. Okay, so let's talk about the name of your book, Personal Socrates. And I'm pretty sure everybody knows who Socrates is. He's known as like the great thinker, but I don't know much else about him or the Socratic method. So can you break that down for us? Yeah, and I was in the same place, and I actually hated the title of the book originally. It was it was from Joey, the founder of Baron Fig and, and the publisher. But as I was explaining what I was picking up through all the podcasts and also how I was using questions, he was like, oh, you're talking about the Socratic method. Socratic what? I mean, again, I know the same level of detail that you just described. So I went into it, you know, and just did, started doing some some Google searches. And I was, first of all, blown away that Socrates was born in 469 BC. So he invented this method of questioning that's literally stood the test of time. All of us are doing it in some capacity, but without really thinking about it. And I was thinking, well, how do you then modernize the the methods so that we can be a little bit more intentional with this practice and that we can get the most out of it. Because if you ask me that there's six question types in the Socratic method, I can't even rhyme those off from memory to you. And that's the problem. I mean, there are questions around seeking clarity or challenging assumptions and, and things like that. But if I can't remember them, then we're not going to just intuitively apply the principles, right? And that's where the structure of the book and what we've been talking about of making it a three-part process of first getting clear, then getting intentional, and then by default, the next step happens, right? And so that's the, the backbone of the book is based on the Socratic method, but it's grouped in a way that we can all remember that first we need to get clear on what we want to do, right? And then from there, take action. And here are a whole bunch of questions and stories and practices that help support, you know, where you're trying to head. Yeah, I love that. Let's give some examples. You mentioned that Kobe Bryant is in the book. What kind of questions did Kobe ask himself? How did he set intention and then, you know, get the opportunity on the other side? Yeah. So Kobe's profile was was really fun to work on and the research was a lot of fun and, and insightful. And his his opening prompt is, how do I get to the rim? Which has nothing to do with basketball. It, it all it has everything to do with how he was a master at his own internal negotiation. So through the research and and shortly after that opening prompt, the whole concept behind his profile is that Kobe was human like the rest of us. I mean, when his alarm went off at four in the morning to get the extra workout in, the fourth workout from uh, which was one above his team members, I mean, he didn't want to get up either. And there was this whole, you know, I went down this, this rabbit hole about how, 
you know, we all can negotiate ourselves out of getting out of bed, like in microseconds, right? I mean, oh, we're so warm. It's cozy in here. I'll do the workout after. In my case, it happened when I was writing the book. I'll write in at 2 p.m. instead. I have a window there. But And what happens? Life happens. Meetings happen. You don't write. Or you don't go to the gym, for example. So for him, he started to really focus on getting clear on why he was getting out of bed to put in that fourth workout. And for him, it was very clear to win an NBA championship, right? For us, we need to figure out what that thing is. And then the intention is, soon as the alarm goes off, you can use something like Mel Robbins' 54321 principle, which is in the book as well, to just rise and get up. Because you know once you're out and you start about your day, and again, if you start stacking on and layering on these practices and you land in your kitchen, you have the post-it note, again, reminding you of why you're doing this, or you're, you're making your coffee and you're reading a passage and something related to the book or stoicism, all of these things stacked up, these micro moments of reflection, just get us closer to where we're trying to head. Mm, I love that. So you interviewed Mel Robbins. I think she's coming on my podcast soon. I'm so excited. I um, didn't interview her. I just, I, I included her principle uh, in Kobe's let's, profile. Let's talk about that principle since we brought it up in case people haven't heard about it. It's pretty powerful. Her backstory is that, you know, she was, she had a lot of anxiety at one point and eventually just decided that I just heard her on a podcast recently tell this story. I think she was watching or she, she saw a commercial where there was a rocket launching or something like that. And she, she made the, the decision that tomorrow I'm going to launch out of bed. Like enough's enough. I'm not going to loop into this anxiety. And she just, the next morning, she just said five, four, three, two, one. And that was her trigger, you know, at one, get up. And now she uses that for everything. And, and so do I, frankly. So I, I just stacked that with, within Kobe's profile because I think, you know, I haven't interviewed Kobe, so I, I don't know exactly the question he was asking while he's in bed. I know he was clear on his intention, but if we can loop in Mel's principle with that, now it's super powerful, right? Yeah. And so the idea is don't just keep hitting the snooze button. It's so unhealthy, like to just like not want to get out of bed, keep hitting the snooze button. Then you wake up groggy. Once you hear your alarm, it's just like, let's go get out of bed. Five, four, three, two, one, get up. And you can use it for anything, right? Like an email you're hesitating to send, or if you're trying to, you know, cold message someone or give them a call, just five, four, three, two, one, go do it. I love that. So what other cool stories do you have in your book that you want to share? Like something that you feel would teach our listeners something impactful? Another mutual contact or friend of, uh, of ours, Naveen Jain, he has a profile in the third part of the book, uh, which is around unlocking possibility. And I like to share this one because, you know, for the most part, we talk about these practices from the standpoint of when you're emotionally charged or you're trying to process anxiety or depression or, or, or whatever it is, right? Um, but then there's a whole other side of these practices that relate to unlocking, you know, your imagination. So in Naveen's profile, it's all about the language that we use and, and slowing down and writing out, imagine if right? Imagine if I did this or started working on this project, like what do I see transpiring here? You know, what can I do? And it's, this is a fun exercise to do right before you go to bed because it's, it just sets your mind into this realm of possibility. And then when you go to sleep, your mind continues to work 
on that path, for example. So not only like you're putting your mind in a positive and happy creation state, right? Because we're either in a creation state or we're in a survival state. We're never in, in, in both at the same time and it's either or. So practices like that and that kind of language brings us back into that creation and that motivated state where we're excited and we're, we're, we're pumped. So he, his practice is, is something that I use often, even for this book. I mean, just imagine if this happened and that happened. And it doesn't mean that it's, it's going to, but it's at least charts the path. And then you start feeling more clear. I'm like, okay, well, then maybe I need to do this to get to that end result. And all of a sudden people start showing up or start surrounding you, for example, right? Young and Profiters, my company, Yap Media, is growing fast. We're onboarding client after client. We're landing a ton of huge deals. And my team just can't keep up. I knew we needed to hire new employees to support my team, but I didn't want to waste my time sifting through candidates who aren't good fits for my company. That's why I use Indeed, the ultimate hiring platform. Indeed makes it easy for me to find great talent fast. According to a recent Indeed survey, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality candidates compared to other job sites. And I don't have to spend hours looking for these great candidates. Indeed's matching engine sends me a list of quality candidates who meet my job requirements the moment I post a job. I can also message candidates, screen their profiles and resumes, send them skills assessments, and schedule interviews with them all from Indeed. It's really an all-in-one platform. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to give your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash profiting. Just go to indeed.com slash profiting right now to support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash profiting. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Young and profiters, AI is changing how we do business. At Yap Media, we use AI to do things like create AI voice models of my voice in case I get sick. And we also use it for basic things like transcribing captions and our meetings. This AI and algorithm-infused world is awesome, but it does dramatically increase all the choices and decisions we have to make in business on a daily basis. Everything is just so much more complex than it used to be. We have to be sure to analyze our data to make the right decisions while also avoiding assumptions and cognitive bias. Ultimately, we all could use some better critical thinking skills moving into the future. And we can look no further than to Economist Education. They just rolled out a new critical thinking course, but it's different from other programs out there on the topic because they focus on today's AI environment and they use real case studies that help you challenge your narrow views and avoid groupthink. Economist Education has two to six week online programs covering everything from international relations to writing and sustainability and they're made specifically for executives and entrepreneurs. Their programs feature experts and senior editors from The Economist. Actually, one of my favorite authors, Daniel Kahneman, who wrote Thinking Fast and Slow, is one of the guest speakers in the critical thinking course that I just took. When you sign up for one of their programs, you also get a three-month digital subscription to The Economist to support your learning. Economist education is a great way to stay ahead in your career, and I've got a special offer to get you started. Get 15% off any course from Economist Education, only available by going to my exclusive URL, education.economist.com slash profiting. That's education.economist.com slash profiting. And enter my code profiting at registration. This offer ends March 31st. So don't wait for 15% off. Go now to education.economist.com slash profiting and use code profiting at checkout. 
Yeah. And I feel like that's probably really helpful for pessimistic people who have trouble kind of expanding from reality or, or what they feel like is certain. I think that when you're optimistic, it's kind of easy to imagine and kind of just say affirmations and believe things that are unrealistic. But when you're pessimistic, maybe a tool like that would really help you think outside the box. Yeah. Well, and it brings us back to, I mean, I have a five-year-old and uh, that's essentially how he speaks. Like, right. He doesn't know he's doing this, but he's like, imagine if I was strapped on a rocket ship and I went to the moon, right? Like, it's just that childlike imagination that, you know, we all had. It's just as life goes, you know, for many of us that that gets tampered down. We also stop asking as many questions until we hit these big roadblocks in life. And then we, then we start asking the deep questions, Right. And the thing with that, like the other thing when, when you're asking these questions, and, and this one's from Chip Conley's profile around curiosity, but the most curious person in the room is also the most present. And people feel that presence, right? Like you and I feel that we're engaged with each other versus, you know, looking over the camera or doing something else. You can feel when someone is not present or engaged. So they win, you win, and you're training your mind to see the detail. And when you see the detail, then you see the detail when you're putting together a brand strategy or pitch deck or your research or whatever it is. So it's all these little micro moments of training that really prepare us for the big game, which is life. So true. So there's one quote from your book that really caught our eye, and it was with Coco Chanel. And you said that confidence with presence breeds irreplaceability. So tell us about the exercise that we can do to foster legendary confidence like Coco Chanel. Yeah, Coco Chanel was fun too. That was a really hard profile to write because again, she's one of them. But half of the profiles are people, anyone that's alive today I've interviewed and the ones that are not, uh, I haven't. So the ones that I haven't, those were hard because like Coco Chanel, there's, there, there are biographies written on her and that wasn't my intention, right? To write a biography. So I was trying to figure out from her life and what I could research, how can we leverage the questions and the practices or bring in practices that that will help us? And with her, it was just this, it's interesting because everyone knows the brand, obviously. She herself had this presence of arriving in the room from, from what I've gathered in my research that people would just remember when Coco entered the room. And it's the same thing when, when people show up with Chanel number no. five. I mean, it's just, it's been around for so many years and it still holds that presence. So the, the practice in the profile is for us to pause and think, well, what presence am I leaving behind? Or what presence do I want to leave behind when I'm in the room with someone, right? And again, just slow down and think about that because whether we like what we leave behind or, or, or don't, we're leaving something behind. Right? We're leaving an energy or we're leaving people feeling a certain way. So I'd rather spend a bit of time thinking about, well, you know, I want people to feel energized and excited after a conversation with me. I mean, that's the greatest gift I can give because I like to feel energized and excited and that works for me. So then what, you know, how do I need to show up? Or if you're giving a, if you're giving a presentation or a keynote, how do I want the audience on the other side to feel after I'm done speaking? Again, you're just setting the intention and your mind goes and, and pulls the things that you need to do to make that real. So Coco was just really fun to dive into her history and world and also have the parallel of actually her brand and products doing the exact same thing. Super cool. I mean, this is really powerful stuff. It, it's, it's super simple, 
But people don't take the time to ask questions, reflect, set intentions, and attack the world with a perspective of how they want to attack the world. I feel like a lot of us are on this like hamster wheel and we just do the same thing every day and we don't step back to reflect. So this was an amazing interview. Thank you so much. Uh, The last question that I ask all my guests is what is your secret to profiting in life? It's doing everything possible to pause the autopilot and to think, right? It's so easy to, like you just said, it's so easy to just spin. And, And I fall into this all the time, but the more I deploy these practices, the more self-aware and the more I can catch myself and, and give that micro pause to make a different decision and see the path forward, right? Or the one that feels the most right. So yeah, it's, it's presence for me. I love that. And where can our listeners go to learn more about you and everything you do and where can they get the book? Yeah, I mean, the easiest place is just one link, which is behindthehuman.com. That's just my personal website. The podcast is there, the book's there, and Amazon, Baron Fig. Um, by the time you listen to this, if you're listening to this on launch week, there's still a whole bunch of launch bonuses, so free mental fitness guides uh, that I wrote up that will accompany the books, sleep guides, uh, moonshot thinking guides, and all the prompts that link to them. So yeah, and let me know. I mean, I'm, I'm obviously you can probably tell I'm a bit you know obsessed with questions. So if you've got some great reflective questions that have made massive changes in your life, I mean, tag me in those prompts and let me know and I'll keep them on the list. I love that. This is awesome. And we'll definitely, I, I know you mentioned the moonshot thinking and the sleep guides. Why don't you send me those links? We'll pop them in the show notes because I think my listeners will love that. And if you guys are tuning in, uh, check out my episode with Naveen Jain. We talk all about moonshots and it's, it's really awesome stuff. Mark, it's always such a pleasure to speak with you. I hope your book launch is super successful and I can't wait to come back on your podcast when I've got something new to talk about and just so great to chat with you like always. Absolutely, Holly. You know you're always welcome. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for listening to Young and Profiting Podcast and my conversation with Mark Champagne. I could relate to so much of what Mark was saying, especially with the shutting down of his app, Keo. I'm a founder and entrepreneur. I have been since I was in my early 20s. And I remember in my first entrepreneurship endeavor with the sorority of hip hop, I had a website and we had such a big brand, but we couldn't monetize. And I had to make that tough executive decision to shut that down and move on with my career so I could keep growing. And so that everybody could keep growing who was on my team because we were failing. And sometimes it's important to know when to quit just as much as it is to know when to start something. And I think a lot of people have pride in quitting and it keeps them stuck for a really long time. But sometimes you do have to pivot to create a more sustainable business for yourself. And both me and Mark have that in common in our journeys. And I love how Mark said that even at the end of something as big as Keo, he still believed that everything happened for a reason. He wasn't salty about what happened. He felt like the app was a great experience that led him to find passion and mental fitness. And then he also learned how to be present and intentional with his next endeavors. Even if they don't end up the way that you thought they would be, you still get these experiences that help move you along in life. And a huge takeaway for me in this interview was the idea of reflection and slowing down and taking the little things into account when you're trying to visualize or reach a goal. 
Like when I mentioned using my computer passwords as intentional triggers to help me practice patience, which I really need some help on, or how Mark has different lines on his lock screen that make him feel grounded. And the more that we practice putting these intentional ideas and processes around us, no matter how small, the more that we're exposing ourselves to those positive mantras, and eventually we can't help but incorporate them into our behaviors. And I love how Mark made journaling so easy. We don't need to be stationary, stuck at a desk with a pen and a paper. We can take a walk without any distractions, turning off your phone and just reflect on a question and think about having that intention to make it a reality. Thinking about creative ways we can ask ourselves those questions that will get us to who we want to become is something that I never really thought of before. And the idea of figuring out who we want to become doesn't feel so woo-woo when Mark talks about it, but rather something we can really take time to think about and eventually reach because we're so clear on what we want. We just have to be able to shut out the noise around us and be present with ourselves and our questions. This was truly an amazing conversation with Mark, and I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Be sure to check out his amazing book, Personal Socrates, which is out now if you want to read his amazing profiles on some of the world's most interesting people. If you enjoyed this episode and you want to hear more about living with intention and abundance, go check out episode number 22, Becoming Astronomically Ambitious with Naveen Jain. The last point I want to make on this particular subject is that most people, when they go out and want to solve a problem, they always somehow are stopped by their own mind power because they believe they know nothing about this subject. So how are they going to go out and make an impact on something they know nothing about? And that is the second thing that I learned is that if you are an expert in a field, you become useless in that field. And what I mean by that is once you are an expert, you, the best you can do is to make an incremental improvement. Mm-hmm. And you can make a 10% improvement. You can make a 15% improvement. But you'll never be able to go out and change it 10x or 100x. Because as an expert, you have to take the foundation of that thing for granted. And unless you are willing to challenge the foundation, you can never make it disruptive improvement in anything, you'll always be stuck with the incremental improvement. Again, if you like this episode and you want to feel even more inspired, go check out episode number 22, Becoming Astronomically Ambitious with Naveen Jain. Thanks again for listening to Young and Profiting Podcast. If you guys want to connect with me on social media, you can find me on LinkedIn. Just search for my name. It's Hala Taha or Instagram at Yap with Hala. Big thanks to the Yap team as always. This is your host, Hala Taha, signing off.